0: Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Trapital, Dan Runcy This podcast is your place to gain insights from hip-hop's business leaders, music executives, heavy hitters, and more. This week is a short week, so we're doing another rewind. And since there's been so much talk lately about the creator economy and how artists are making money and how creators can make money and take advantage of new technology, there's no better place than to revisit a conversation that I had with someone who was a very successful independent artist. Last year, I had Flawless Real Talk on the podcast, and we talked all about how he's built his career. For those of you that may remember, he was a finalist on Netflix show Rhythm and Flow. That was the hip hop music competition show that they had had. And since then, he had elevated his career and continued to maintain his independence as an artist. We talked about some of the trade-offs that he had made as an artist, what it's been like, how he was able to use Netflix as a platform to do bigger and bigger things with his career and more. I think he has a really good perspective on things and if you are someone that is building a company in this space, you're an investor in this space. It's great to talk and learn from the people that are actually doing this on the ground, so resharing this episode, I think it could add value in that way. Before we jump into the episode, one more announcement. Trapital is launching a job board, that's right. If you are an employer, you have some open positions that you're looking to fill, or you're looking to scale up some recruiting in 2022, this was made for you. There are so many talented, rising executives and leaders who listen to the Trapital podcast, they watch the videos, they read the newsletter every week, and there's no better way than to partner with people like them who are taking hip-hop to the next level as well. So if you're interested, shoot me an email at info Thanks, everyone. Here's my episode with Flawless Real Talk. Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Runcie. Our guest today is the rapper, entrepreneur, producer, Flawless Real Talk. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you guys. I'm glad you could come on for a few reasons. First and foremost, you're a fellow New Englander that's near and dear to my heart. Grew up right outside of Hartford. So it's great to see people from Providence coming out in the Rap game. That's dope, man. That's dope. New England, man.
1: A lot of people don't really know about Rhode Island and, you know, about the New England area. But, you know, I'm really proud to be representing my city and my side and being one of the forefronts of the people in this new generation pushing the same kind of music that our
0: coast is known for you know yeah exactly i mean i know you've talked about this plenty people assume so much is new york and that's true but not too far away you have all these other subcultures and i have close friends that live in rhode island and it's definitely a little bit of a different vibe but there's still that east coast grit so i'm glad it comes through Absolutely, man. We're, we're like a smaller New York. You know, a lot of people from here have
1: family in New York and vice versa. So, you know, we're always back and forth. You know, I have a lot of family that grew up in New York, so I spent a lot of time out there. Our influence is definitely from there, but we're definitely
0: our own individual state and we're proud of that. Yeah. No, same here. That's how I feel about Connecticut too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I want to go back to last year. You, of course, have been rapping for a minute now, but I think a lot of people got put on to you after Netflix rhythm and flow show. And I know that a lot's changed for you in the past year, but what was that experience like? Take us through that journey, man. The reality show was really incredible because it was a different type of hip hop competition.
1: It was Netflix. It wasn't like primetime television. It wasn't live. And it was really opinionated. And that's something that I really wanted to keep in mind throughout the competition is that America wasn't voting for this. This was a more opinionated competition where three people were going to say their opinions and then the best person in their opinion was going to win. So I just knew that as long as I performed to the best of my ability and continue to just stay focused throughout the competition, And understand that it was an opinionated thing, that I wasn't putting myself under too much pressure. I just knew that if I executed and did everything, you know, the way I normally have been doing, I would come out just fine. And the result of it was incredible. It was a lot of time-consuming challenges with every challenge coming right after another. That was the most mental thing about the competition was that we had minimal time to do each challenge. Other than that, it was very exciting, you know, and very beneficial to our career
0: for sure. The three judges that you had, TI, Chance the Rapper, Cardi B, they were all different and they all were looking for specific things. And I'm sure that drove a lot of how you and the other contestants went about it. Do you think that you would have approached it any differently if it was like an American Idol where the fans are voting on the outcome? That's interesting to say. I do believe that at one point in the
1: competition... I think towards the middle of the competition when we were getting down to the nitty gritty, I did find myself thinking about what the judges would like opposed to what an entire audience would like, you know? Because like I said, it's opinionated. The competition is judged very tightly. So I think maybe, yeah, maybe we would have, accepting of the finale, I think the finale, I definitely did it as if America would be voting opposed to what the three judges might've wanted to see from me. And that was important for my legacy and just going out and speaking my truth and not doing it, so to speak, the cliche, big performance. I kind of went deep into the heartstrings of the world. And I think if America would have been voting, I would have definitely played to my advantage for the finale. But um, we definitely kept that in mind that the three judges were
0: the ones deciding for sure. So that's that's a great question. Because I remember when watching it, I think... All respect to you d smoke London, and everyone else that was in it, but I felt like the skill set of a d smoke definitely fit a bit more of like the artist artists, if you will, versus you had a bit more of that mainstream vibe that I do think plays a little bit more to that mass audience absolutely before going into the competition i didn't know. If it
1: was going to be a mass audience voting or if we were going to be in front of, you know, an audience that had an opinion in the winner. But I always said if I go up against somebody who's a favorite and it's deep in the competition, I know that if I get personal and I really dig deep that I could be impactful. Even though I knew that America wasn't voting for that finale, I knew everybody watching the show would feel that impact at the end and definitely root for me, if not anything, you know, even if I didn't win, they would definitely root for me after the show. And the fact that it's on Netflix and it stays there, people are discovering the show every single day. So I'm still getting messages now. Like, I hope you win. I'm not at the end, but I really hope you win. I'm like, "Oh, keep watching. It's great. Like, you know, so it's really exciting to see people still discovering the show a year plus after,
0: you know, I love that. And I want to talk about that finale too, because it seemed like it wasn't just D smoke that got the big award. There were different deals being pitched. And I know that there were plenty of business opportunities that came that day, but also came in the weeks months after that. What was that like?
1: that was an incredible experience because you know your whole career you're fighting for these meetings you're fighting to get into these buildings you're fighting to get in a position to put yourself at that level and then the show ended and everybody was reaching out and so many different labels and companies and different things of that nature and it was just a great feeling to feel like we're finally here you know we were ready to take that next step we got the exposure that we were looking for cuz there's no telling. You could go on the show and they say, you know, 190 countries are going to watch this show, but you could do bad, you know what I mean? You could go on there and I could just do horribly, you know, and some people did, some people went on there and didn't make it, you know, too far. So the fact that we were successful as we was, was just very, very grateful for that. And to get that exposure and be able to get those opportunities after, it was really a great feeling to feel like we're finally getting some traction, you know, after being independent and grinding for so long.
0: That independent piece is interesting because that's been your journey. That's still the journey that you're on, but I'm sure a lot of record labels probably came with the checks and with the advances. I know you can't go into specifics about who gave what, but what were some of those deals like? Were there any tough decisions that you had to make? We always have tough decisions to make every single day as an independent label, what direction we want to go. You
1: know, really scaling our growth every single day. And we're never against a major label partnership, but the situation just has to be right. And for us, with getting the exposure that we did, We felt like we could still remain independent. You know, we went ahead and signed with WME, William Morris Agency, which is one of the biggest agencies in the world. So we were able to get them for touring and booking. We were able to sign a management deal with Lauren at Patriot Management. They're an incredible management agency. So, you know, we figured with those pieces, we could definitely navigate and continue to grow independently. And right now, you know, a lot of artists are celebrating getting out of their deals in today's world. And ownership and independence is now the cool thing to do. I've been independent since 2010. I was independent when it wasn't cool. I was touring independently. I was booking my own tours. I was buying on the tours, doing whatever I could to continue to stay on the road, to build my fan base, knowing that social media was important and continuing to be in the face of the consumer. So, you know, now that it's cool and it's like the thing to do, we're in the perfect space. So for us, we decided to continue And leading in that space and being independent, ownership, teaching the the youth about ownership, about, you know, protecting their equity and everything that they have, because we are very valuable in everything that we create. And I think a lot of artists coming up from the past to now learn those lessons after the fact, after they give up the publishing and after, you know, they're making a certain percentage of the money. You see artists that are famous that are not making as much money as artists who are not as famous, but are independent because they're monetizing and making most of the money. So I'm appreciative to be in this space. And like I said, we're never against a partnership with a major label. The situation just has to be right. And until it is, we're going to continue to grow. And until the situation
0: is right, you know? So what would the ideal partnership or relationship look like?
1: Oh man, for us, We just want to find a label that is going to be just as dedicated as we are. You know, I like to say nobody cares more than you. So for me, doing the day to day and doing everything that we've done, we have a lot of relationship with hip hop artists that have taken deals. And we kind of saw how those were navigated and how things didn't really work out for them and what was done for them. And then we kind of see in that space, well, can we do those things on our own? It really has to be something that a label can offer us that we can't already kind of do for ourselves in a sense, and being passionate and also being fair in the splits and everything else. And we also want to continue to own the music, which is very important. A lot of people learn about residual income music now with streaming. The residual income is incredible with streaming and now the digital world coming into play with music sales. So having that ownership and getting that residual income for your kids to feed on, you know, for for generations to come is important opposed to signing it over to a label for limited success or for temporary success.
0: So for me, just has to be the right situation. It seems like for most artists that were in major label deals that now want out of them, there were a few things going on. As you mentioned, it was what was popular. It was the trend at the time. But in a lot of ways, it was also one of the main ways to be able to break out. So much of those deals happened in an era before someone like you could rise as social media was rising. You've actually been independent since 2010. This whole past decade, we've seen how SoundCloud and all these other tools and the rise of TuneCore and Distro kit and all of these other services that just make it easier, so much of that wasn't available to the signed artists before. So unless it was some type of unique deal where it's cash money or uh, no limit where they're able to negotiate something pretty favorably because they have all this clout and backing, it could have been much harder for someone like yourself to have been in that situation. No, absolutely, absolutely. Social media and the DSPs, you know, Spotify,
1: Apple Music, have really changed the game. And I was explaining this to somebody because if we sell a CD from the trunk of our cars like we used to, we used to have to go in the street and really physically sell the CD. Now, let's say I sell you my CD, right? You love the CD. You go into your car, you bump the CD around the city all summer long. And you've played number four, maybe five thousand times. Now you're supporting me by spreading the music. But with DSP and with streaming, now every time you play that song, we're getting a royalty. You understand? So the more you play the song, the more you're supporting that artist, opposed to if you play the song 5,000 times and I sold the CD to you for $10, I'm going to get those $10 and that's it. That's how you support it. Now it gives the consumer and the fans an opportunity to continuously support. And you can subscribe to these DSPs, but they're also free. So like Spotify has a free version where you can stream my music for free and you're supporting me without having to spend any money, which is a different ball game here now with social media, people being able to share your posts and share your videos. That doesn't cost anything. So now the amount of support has heightened with the consumer and with the fans and the artists. And I'm really grateful to be in this era and to be able to catch this wave. And I'm looking
0: forward to see where it goes from here because it can only get better, right? The fact that we can now measure actual consumption is huge. I'm thinking about the albums that stuck in their car for a whole year, like when Get Rich or Die Trying" came out or even like the Carter 3. It was a year plus that those were in the car. I played Get Rich or Die Trying" for at least two years. No joke. For real. That shit had billions of streams. I feel like he still only got a fraction of that because, yeah, you know, it went however many times platinum. But it's making the same amount of money, whether I listen to it once and throw it away or it stayed in my car for a year. And that's the real benefit of this era. And that's also why we're seeing so many of these publishing deals happening now where you have all these big firms that are buying up all these huge catalogs. And a lot of that is because these publishers or these funds that are investing in publishing catalogs are looking and running the numbers of streaming. And now they can identify what are those songs that people are playing time and time and Time again. And they can identify the hits by seeing the number of streams on a particular
1: record. You put out an album and three songs are just getting out streamed from everything else. It gives you a perspective of what those three songs are your songs. Those are the songs you push to radio. Those are the songs that you push as singles, you know, so it gives us an understanding as well as independent artists, you know, before the labels would go into those numbers, they would only have those numbers. So now we're able to see analytics We're able to see what cities are listening, what states are listening. When it's time to tour, I look at my top 10 cities on Spotify and it tells me exactly what cities to go to. It's its own booking agent right there for you, telling you this city and this city is your best shot to sell out a venue.
0: And it's incredible. It's incredible, man. What are your best cities? What are your top ones?
1: I hit a lot of major cities. LA, Chicago, Houston is definitely major cities. I can look right now and tell you real quick top 10 cities chicago la dallas toronto atlanta sydney australia shout out to you guys montreal canada houston texas new york city and denver colorado
0: much love to you guys you got the major markets you got some sleepers on there too i got some sleepers like oh toronto too toronto shout out toronto man talk to you about sydney though is there anything specific you've done down there
1: No, but Australia shows me a ton of love. I've gotten a lot of love from Australia over the past few years, specifically after Rhythm & Flow, but I definitely have some Australian fans. I was supposed to go there on the world tour, but it's been postponed because of COVID. But we're going to get back out there, man. We're going to get to Sydney, get to Toronto. We're going to see all you guys real soon. I can't wait to get on the road for sure. For now, we're doing virtual shows, which is still amazing, being able to connect with the fans. I just did the University of North Texas a couple of days ago, we did like a Zoom concert and it was really dope. They did a and a after. I think it's really dope to try to connect as much as we can with everybody during these times, especially.
0: How's the transition been for you this past year? I know it hit so many musicians a lot and you had plans, I'm sure, to hit up all those cities. What has it been like? I know that live streaming is now the wave and it's many ways what you should be doing and what it sounds like is working to connect, but I'm sure it was still really tough because you probably had big plans, especially right after rhythm and flow and what you expected to be able to do on the road in 2020,
1: 2020, our plans were huge. We had an album getting ready to roll out and just really push through the world tour. We had a great January and February, and then um, the COVID pandemic hit about March and it kind of left me in a no man's land type of world where I was being encouraged not to release music because we couldn't tour. We couldn't tour. We couldn't really do anything at that moment. It was really hard to try to navigate. But I think understanding the space that we're in, understanding how long we may be in that space and adjusting with the times is always something as an independent artist that you have to do. So we're just adjusting with the times. A lot of people are praising us for how we've adjusted. But I don't think it's really groundbreaking or anything that we're just literally adjusting with the times like you know it's easy to see like right now you can't go anywhere well live stream we're like that's you know it's it's a one plus one kind of equation here so you know we decided to just go with the live streaming and start really doing that And it's been working out incredible man
0: how did you go about navigating live stream because there's so many platforms out there there's so many different options whether you want to hop on IG Live, or if you want to partner with some of these more established platforms, which I know you have done. How did you go about determining the best way to navigate that?
1: I think what's important for me was algorithm, user interface, just a lot of different things. And I also didn't want to just join a platform. I wanted a platform that was going to partner with me. So we began looking for our live stream platform that was going to partner with us for a concert series is how we started establishing it and just doing concerts every month and just kind of building it up on a platform. And we actually ended up partnering with Live It, which is a global streaming platform. And what really was the icebreaker with Live It and really like the reason why I decided to go with them over other platforms was because they were dedicated to making sure that my message got across what I wanted to accomplish during my live streams. They were willing to give back with me. Like I wanted to make it a charitable thing where we can give back and find ways to give back to charitable causes. And they not only supported that, they wanted to match my efforts. So that was like huge. And we're also fighting so much for algorithm and visibility as artists on Instagram on Twitter. TikTok, you know, I wanted a platform that was going to partner with me and say, hey, we got your back. We know what we're trying to accomplish here. We're going to open it up for you. We're not going to restrict you. And that was key as well. So it's been incredible. And we had our first concert November 13th, our first live stream interactive concert ever, first hip hop interactive concert where I was interacting with the concert goers. We had 1.2 million viewers on the live stream concert. And it was incredible. I mean, it was just a dope experience. I almost felt the energy of the people in a weird way through the emoji hands, through all the comments,
0: seeing everything. It's been working out incredible. That's awesome. I feel like if you're able to partner with a platform that has your partnership and backing with this, then you're not just one of many that is either, as you mentioned, you're succumb to the algorithm or you have to play that game. They're there with you. And being able to connect with the audience is a key thing. And I think that's probably one of the biggest differentiating factors of live stream platforms. It's a one-to-many experience regardless, but if you can actually feel those connections, I do think that's what sets the strong platforms apart.
1: And we're offering things that we don't offer on any other platforms. Like I made my first song on Live It Live. Not my first song ever, but my first live stream song because we agreed we're going to make music with the fans. We went in there, we created a song live with the fans. We just put it out. The song is called Everything. It's about women empowerment and empowering our women today. You know, our industry and our culture never taught us to value our women. And I think it's important for guys like me to spread that message and tell people and tell our younger generation, look, it's okay to value our women. You know, our women are amazing. They're queens. And that song is really just a testament of that. And I made it live on there. And that's something we're not doing anywhere else. Today is Wednesday. Every Wednesday nights, so we have a talent show on the app where we allow fans to come in and showcase their talent, spread love. I did one last week. I found two artists that I'm going to work with. Like, you know what I mean? I'm going to actually get on their music and do music with them and help them get exposure. So we're finding, discovering talent on this app. We're doing, you know, the live stream concerts. We're doing music live on the app. We are also doing Between the Lines segment where we're breaking down some of the most historic hip hop songs in history and we're navigating and explaining exactly what the artist was thinking that during this time and just breaking stuff down and stuff that we're not offering anywhere else. So it's a really interactive, connective experience that they're going to have with me. I look forward to all the fans coming on. We've been growing every single day and having more and more people come in and join in the live streams. And it's going to be a building process, you know, so we're just going to build it up, man. Keep
0: building. What does the monetization look like on Live It for you? Was there an initial upfront that they were offering, or in addition to that, are the fans paying, or is there some other type of way? Is there sponsorship? What does that look like on your end?
1: There's a gifting type of concept on Live It, right? So let's say you're watching my stream. If you don't want to pay any money, you know, you get a free gift every five minutes. So you can go ahead and gift me that gift every five minutes. After 30 minutes, you get a 10 pack of gifts, or you can also purchase coins through the app and donate coins, little animations that you want to make happen. It's all fun, interactive stuff. And what we're doing is part of those proceeds are going to the charitable causes. So right now we're doing a toy drive for the Hasbro Children's Hospital and the Boston Children's Hospital, and we've already gotten about 850,000 coins towards that charitable cause. And we're gonna probably hit a million coins today for that charitable cause. And then, you know, we're gonna live stream us going to the hospitals, bringing those toys for the kids, showing our efforts over the month together while we're having fun, while we're having concerts. You know, we're also raising money for charity, and then At the end of the month, we go, we make those charitable donations, we live stream it, and everybody gets to feel good about being a part of something special while we're all having fun. And there's no pressure to donate. Like The app is completely free. You can come and just enjoy the show. You don't have to donate anything. It doesn't cost anything to watch. It's just if you choose to and you want to be a part of the giving, then you're more than welcome to. But either way, we do this every year. It's tradition for us to donate. We have toy drives every year for the children's hospitals. So now it's just a way to just give back on a greater scale.
0: That's awesome. You really get to serve those that need it. And I love when platforms find a way to at least have some of that money that's coming through serving the causes for you all that mean the most. And you mentioned earlier that they're matching all the contributions. That's dope. Absolutely.
1: Every month, we're going to pick a different charitable cause. So we're just going to have different causes. And then if you feel strongly about the particular cause that we're donating to that month, then you can donate. If not, you're more than welcome to just come and enjoy the show and to connect
0: with me on that level. And it's completely free. You mentioned a few times about algorithms and some of the challenges, whether it's Instagram or the digital streaming providers and being able to reach your fans and your potential fans as well. What are some of the other direct ways that you are using to be able to connect directly with your fans?
1: I think the best way is to try to bring your fans outside of a social media, connecting with them via text, phone numbers, emails to have that, you know, if Instagram goes down tomorrow, a lot of people aren't going to know what to do. So we don't own Instagram, right? So we have no control over what happens. So we can build a fan base, we can build a following, we can build a platform. But if that platform disappears, you have to have some sort of database of your supporters. So what we did was we came out with a song called New Phone right after Rhythm and Flow came out featuring Troy Man, who's on the show as well. Shout out to Troy Man! I actually put a phone number in my verse and we had the phone number Easter egging all over the videos people were like, is that really your number? So they call in a number. I'm texting people back. I'm texting a bunch of fans. And we continue to get new numbers and new people calling in that number because the videos on YouTube is getting views every day. The songs on Spotify, on Apple Music. So I use that as a way to kind of give away a phone number where they can reach me and also be able to connect with them on that level. So for me, the connection is beyond social media, in a sense. It's through email, it's through text. We have a new type of technology. I can't speak on it yet, but it's about to be groundbreaking and we're going to be at the forefront of that too. And we're going to be able to connect with them in that way. So it's really amazing to see how technology and music are coming one in one and we're able to utilize
0: everything to our favor. What platform are you using for the texting?
1: I can't remember exactly what my team are using, but they set that all up. They just gave me the number and the phone, and I, it comes right through. But they set that all up. But yeah, I can't tell you that
0: right this second. Hearing that, it reminds me of that Ryan Leslie superphone story because he was signed to the record label he didn't feel like the record label was supporting that album for his second album. So then he's like, okay, I need to have a direct way to reach the audience regardless. And he then collects the phone numbers and it was only like 15 or so thousand people that he reached out to he was able to sell them the album directly Then reached out to them to sell the concert tickets as well. And that sounds like the same type of thing that you're building as well. And even adding the phone number into the song, like that's that Mike Jones, Soldier Boy the thing that worked really well for them people still know those numbers by heart
1: yeah because it was in the rap you know so that now they know the number we never shy away from tactics that we've seen in the past that work right so it's like we've seen this work in the past why not implement that into our thing now These ideas are never a wrong idea. You could do it and you could collect 500 phone numbers and it wasn't a fail. You can't fail these things. You can only try and continue to build it up, you know? So like, even with this limit thing, like we have 900,000 people on Instagram, you can't expect 900,000 people to download the app the first day. You have to show them what they're missing. So now we do the concert, 1.2 million people tune in from all over the world and tons of people were like, I miss this. So now we're going to have 5 million people next concert because it's a growth process and it just continues to grow. So for anybody out there that does something and it doesn't generate you numbers or the money you want or the attention you want right away, it's never going to happen that way or it's never worth it. It has to be a building process. So always continue to build and set that tone from the first one. Always just make it build and think
0: one day at a time and you'll be successful for sure. And it's really about understanding where all the platforms sit in the ecosystem because we talk a lot about the importance of email and the importance of text message and those stuff matter. But in order to get those numbers in the first place, you still need something at the top and you having 900,000 Instagram followers helps do that. So yes, you're fully aware that if Instagram shuts down, that doesn't work out well for you, but you also know that there's a value of still focusing on that, but still wanting to ultimately have that direct relationship in the end. And that direct relationship, like with Ryan Leslie, he got it.
1: Obviously, it was after he was already on a label, but he understood it after the fact when he did that because he's like, if I'm independent, which I think he is now, he's like, and I only sell 40,000 records. To the industry standard, 40,000 records is not a lot of records, right? The label's not happy with that. That's because the label is making the money. But if you're an independent artist and you're making 100% of your money and you're selling albums or, you know, let's just say $10 standard. If 40,000 people buy your album, that's almost half a million dollars for that artist to reinvest into his career. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. As an independent artist, you don't need to sell millions of records to be successful. I dropped the album right after Rhythm and Flow. We came in number four on the iTunes hip hop charts. And we didn't sell a ton, ton of records, but we were super successful because we're independent. You understand? So it's like we don't have to sell millions of records to be successful. You just have to just really connect with a certain amount of fans that are going to really support you. And even with the OnlyFans thing, a lot of artists are going on there now and offering exclusive content because of the way social media has changed the algorithm. The people that hit the follow button still don't see your posts that's insane to me. I build a following and I have to fight for these people. I can see if I want outside eyes, then you charge me. I'll pay it. But you're telling me in order for me to reach the people that themselves hit follow because they were interested in my content and they can't see my
0: content. That's insanity. You know what I mean? It's crazy. As someone that's also working in this same game, trying to build my own media company up, it is one of the most frustrating things. And similarly, yeah, I'm trying to do the same type of thing. But what I like about what you're highlighting is that, yes, you have a smaller pie as a independent artist relative to what you may have as a signed artist. However, you own that pie. That is a much larger share of that pie. And from an economics perspective, you don't need to do the same things that the artists on Republic Records or Columbia need to do in order to be a success. That's why it's important to connect with the core fans that are
1: really going to support you. The only fans aspect is like fans aren't going to subscribe to you for $10 a month if they don't really rock with you. And sometimes I'd rather have 40,000 diehard fans that are going to just be there with me on this journey than 900,000 flyby fans who aren't really interested, who might have hit follow because they saw the show. And then they never saw another post from me because the algorithm is horrible. It's really tricky, you know, with
0: how you do it. But the connection with the fans is extremely important. It's the number one thing. Who are you following right now in the game from an independent perspective? Are there anyone that you're looking at like, oh, I really like what they're doing? Because I think from media perspective, people are always looking at Chance or Russ. Who are you looking at?
1: I was going to say Russ. Russ, I don't think it's no longer independent, but his story is a lot similar to mine in a sense of continuously putting your head down and working and then using like a tune chord to distribute your music. And then watching that money grow every month. And what I loved about him is a lot of people looked at him as cocky. And I think his choice of wording might have not always been the best. But his message when he came in and was like, I did this myself. You can't tell me nothing. Was everything for an artist like me because I'm like, yes, we do. Yes, we did, because he's just like me. He's doing it. He's pushing it. He's got it to that point, and he's not shying away from the process. He's telling you, look, I started on TuneCore. He's showing his receipts. You know what I mean? I started making this much, and then I built it, built it, built it by continuously releasing music and continuing to be at that. I don't model anything I do after him, but seeing someone like him make it in that space that he's in, being radio, being mainstream, it's like, yo, we don't have to really sign a deal just to get there. We can push this thing all the way through. Cause sometimes it's like you push the independent level to a certain point, then you take the deal. Then you go over the top. But after seeing that, it's like you really might be able to take it over the top with the independence. You know what I mean? Like you really can. And he took a distribution, I think, or a situation after the fact, but he was already. Monumental, independent. And Chance is another example as well. Tech Nine is an independent artist. You know, I did my first tour with Tech Nine, 48 City Tour. He's the one that showed me that I didn't need to be famous, famous, famous to be touring and making money. I could build this thing from the ground up. It was my first tour, 48 cities, and I watched thousands of people go crazy for a guy that I did not, or my city did not know who this guy was. And I was like, whoa, I have the wrong perspective here of what this business is. So I started doing it my way. Whoever rocks with what I'm doing, I don't swear in my music. Or I don't troll. And what you see is what you get. There's no gimmicks. It's positive music. I got party stuff. I got stories. If you rock with it, you rock with it. If you don't, there's thousands of other artists that you can listen to. And being able to do that now in this space is amazing because I'm not thirsty for
0: nothing it really allows you to have that ownership and control of your career in a way where you don't have to sacrifice this. You don't have to do things that you don't want to do. It's a very powerful position to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Where you mentioned Russ, I saw he recently posted his two core screenshot. He was clearing a hundred thousand a week. That's legit. And I still remember one of my friends that texted me, it was a couple of years ago when Russ had sold out the Staples Center. And I think for a lot of people, people were just like, whoa, we were not expecting this. And I had at least a few friends text me because I know I cover this stuff. They're like, should I know who this is? Like, who is that? And I mean, at that point, I was following it for a while. But that speaks to what we're saying. The fact that someone can be that successful and you don't know who they are speaks a lot to what their game is and what they're not trying to do. Like, he hasn't spent time trying to convince you to be his fan. There's power in that as well. And I think... People that
1: grow with you, too, they see it. So I got so many people that were following me in 2014, 15, that came to my shows and now see me now and say, yo, we're proud of you, man. You didn't start doing this and this and this. Like, you even went on a show with Cardi B. We didn't know what to expect. And then, you know, you did everything we expected you to. You stayed true. And that is, goes a long way with the connection with the fans because they smell you being phony. You could lose a lot of people that were with you in the beginning and those people that were with you in the beginning are going to be the first people to buy your album trust me. I've got fans I met in 2011 that downloaded Live it and were watching the live stream concert. It took 9 years of support here that they haven't seen something to make them say oh, I'm not rocking with this guy no more. I take pride in that, in building and growing with my fan base, and them seeing over the years and seeing us get to BT Ciphers and Netflix and so many pla. We're on TRL, and then they see me, and it's the same
0: guy. I take so much pride in that, man. It definitely is powerful, and being able to keep that over time is key. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious, what is your take on some of the more popular trends that have been happening the past few years, and specifically? about gaming. I know a lot of this has been what the signed artists have been doing, whether it's Travis Scott or Lil Nas X on Fortnite or Roblox, but what are your thoughts on gaming and hip hop? And do you see that as a potential for you? Man, it's amazing because we got to think
1: about, man, hip hop was created in New York. It wasn't even accepted. And now it runs the world. Think about it. You know, hip hop, you're seeing Snoop Dogg doing Corona commercials. You're seeing the car commercials with the gerbils and they got the hat on with the boom box and everything around us is hip hop influenced. Everything. And now we've got gaming. We've got Travis Scott, people doing concerts on Fortnite and on games. That's a whole world. I don't know how many people are on that game, but think about it. It's millions, right? So now they're all listening to Travis Scott in that one shot, and it goes back to the old ways of distribution. We're in the trunk, where we're trying to please buy this CD, listen to this CD. This is one person. You know how much effort it took to get one person to listen? Now you press a button and you come up as a giant on this game. Millions of people can watch you in this exact moment, It's incredible, man. It's incredible. And it's cool for the gamers because now it shows that the gaming companies are in tune with the culture. They got Travis Scott concert happening on Fortnite. Like, what does that even mean? It means they know that the culture is important. They're also now supporting the culture by putting somebody like Travis Scott. They're also paying for that. So it's putting money in the pockets back into hip hop. It's putting money back into hip hop, back into the families that are doing hip hop. It's just a cycle of influence. And the more people use hip hop as influence, the more powerful we become, you know, as artists, as voices. How many artists stepped in now for this voting, man? You know what I mean? I did a BT cipher and I did the political cipher with Jack Hollow and Rhapsody. And it was about the presidential election and about social injustice. We have a voice. We're powerful now. I just got a call yesterday from the governor. Like, I just got the key to my city. We're powerful now. The governor's like, can you help me, please? I need help talking to these kids. They're calling me, bro, because I am a hip hop artist. You understand? And I also represent with a certain class. But hip-hop is doing that. The governor's calling me. She need that hip-hop influence.
0: It's crazy. That's dope, too. And it goes back to where we started things. You can put Rhode Island on the map as a hip-hop artist in a way that others can't. That's dope. Are there specific things you have in place with the governor? Not
1: right now, but, um, you know, we're working on stuff. Like I said, I just got the key to the city last year. It was a great shout out to Mayor Loza for that. I think now it's about just being careful with how we speak to the younger generation and who we choose to speak to the younger generation. I think they're starting to see that. And now they're bringing people that can relate to these kids. You know what I mean? Like when I was in school, I'm not going to lie, like I couldn't relate to my teachers. There was nobody there that I could relate to. If they would have brought somebody like me in and I could see somebody that looks like me, that's from where I'm from, that overcame a lot of the obstacles I'm dealing with. That might have gave me more hope early on. So I take full pride in being that person. Like, yeah, what you need? I got you. Whatever the city needs from me, you know, especially giving me the recognition that they did. I appreciate it. So like I'm all for it, man. I'm all for being that example for the youth for sure. And that's why I stopped swearing in my music. There's no profanity in my music. It's not corny. I just choose not to swear. So now you can you can play it around the kids. You can play it any way you want. You know, and I, I take pride in that too.
0: What do you think 2021 will look like for you? I feel like there's a lot of unknown right now in terms of touring, but you're already planning a lot of this. When do you think you'll be able to get back on the road? Well, you know, we can never tell with the
1: pandemic. Right now, you know, it's back and forth. I think we're about to get locked down again. For me, focused right now on living. You know, I'm focused right now on continuing to connect with the fans continuing to use my platform to make a difference, figuring out how I can make a difference with this charitable causes and having Live It match my donations and using my platform in a time where I could easily say, ah, there's nothing we can do. I could easily just say that. I could say, oh, you know what, kick back. I'm financially not hurting, I'm fine. This year's a wash, but that doesn't feel right. Like, you know, I could be making a difference somehow while I connect with my fans and keep that connection there, because that's important. So this is the perfect thing. We're going to continue to focus on charitable causes every single month. We're going to see who needs what at that moment. Something could happen tomorrow, but we need to shift our attention and we focus there. You know, we just want to make a difference, but we're also just having fun. out live it, connecting with the fans, having concerts. Like I said, 1.2 million viewers. The first time we're looking to have 5 million viewers this time. You know what I mean? It was so much fun interacting with the people doing these weekly shows, you know, the talent show every Wednesday, seeing new talent come in, We're really just having fun, man, but we're also making a difference at the same time. So until the world opens up, whether that be in the spring, in a year from now, we're going to continue to do this living thing. We're going to continue to push on there, make a difference with these charitable causes. And then when the world opens up, man, we're coming with that world tour and we're going to just shut it down. And everybody's going to be so excited to be out for
0: sure. So everybody coming out for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, before we let you go, do you have anything that you want to plug or that you want to let the travel audience know about? And there's a lot of people listening, not just artists, but people that are creators themselves and understanding how to navigate things from an indie perspective. And you've clearly been doing that. Any advice for them? First and foremost, I want to say to take things one day at a
1: time. The moment that I stopped looking at the overall picture of being like this big artists and like being number one and having that Grammy and doing all, it begins to frustrate you because you start to see where you are and where you want to be. It makes you impatient. It makes you more frustrated. Opposed to thinking one day at a time, like what are we going to do today to help us get to that next step? Not only what are we, but what can we do right now? Because if you're not working towards it right now, you're just daydreaming. You're continuously daydreaming and getting frustrated about it. So every day you have to work towards your dream. Take it one day at a time. And then you're going to look up one day and you're going to see how far you've come. And it's going to be like, it doesn't even feel like that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I have so much more to go. I remember back in 2010, I was like crying in tears because I was a finalist in a contest to be in the BET Cypher and I didn't win. And I was like so distraught. And I was like, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to make it there one day. You know, it's 10 years later and I've already done two BET Cyphers, Netflix, so many things. And it doesn't feel like, I feel like I have so much more to go just because I started really taking it one day at a time. So just take it one day at a time and work every day. What are you going to do today to get to that next level? As far as plugging anything, you know, all my music is on all Spotify, Apple Music, everything. Just search Flawless Real Talk. You can follow me on all social media platforms at Flawless Ri. R.I. for my city of Rhode Island. I always rep. And uh, yeah, I appreciate the love. Just dropped a new single called Everything for our queens. Just letting them know that we appreciate you.
0: And yeah, man, we're good. And you just motivated me with that speech that you gave. I don't know if you've done this, but you may got a little side hustle as a motivational speaker.
1: You know what? Once the job is done, I would love to do that. But right now, I think the job's not done. So we're going to continue to just stay focused and just push forward. But I appreciate that, man. Maybe a little, a couple of years from now, down the line, we could definitely motivate and tell people about our story for sure.
0: Definitely. Flawless Real Talk. It's been a pleasure, bro. Appreciate you, King, man. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend. Copy the link, text it to a friend,